Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information about Home Church, visit us at myhomechurch.org. So good. So many things like that happening. Um, there's a few others that we'll, we'll have share because I just want you to know it's, it's happening for everyone. People are going out for the first time and uh, God's using them in incredible ways. So this is for, for everyone, guys. So, um, yeah, for, so just for the next few minutes... Uh, I won't, um, we'll, we'll see how the Lord leads. If you could turn with me to Acts chapter 1, I want to share a few, a few thoughts here. And uh, this is not a part of those scriptures, just you know, guys, I'll let you know. I got a, a bunch of scriptures I want to put before you. It'll be a little different this morning, but I wanted to start in Acts 1. I want to just take these next few minutes that we have and just, uh, just teach something really simple. I hope by the end, this point will be so re-emphasized through so many scriptures that you'll be like, all right, we get it, we get it. Then I know that I've done, I've done my job. Um, but yeah, I've just been stirred in, in, uh, in something that I, I want us to, these Sundays I really see as a, as a time for us to be equipped, trained up, encouraged, so that we would go out again, right? So that's how I'm viewing this. So I see this as a time of equipping the saints to go out and do the work, all right? So I pray that you would be strengthened and you'd sense that. So I I really want to like empower you, release you through the teaching of God's word. And I trust that he'll do that. So let's read Acts 1. I'm right in verse 1. Let me read a few verses here. Kind of present just what I feel the Lord's put on my heart. Again, it's simple, but it's also something that we're not seeing a lot, but we're, we're contending for. So Acts 1 verse 1. It says, in the first book, this is Luke writing this, in the first book, O Theophilus. What is the first book or the former book that he's talking about? He's speaking about his gospel. So Luke, who writes Acts, also obviously wrote the gospel of Luke, and he's making a reference to his former book. And O Theophilus, we're not going to get too much into it. Some say, is this an individual of great wealth? Was it a general title for someone? But nevertheless, he's, he's referencing back to his previous book. And look how he describes what he did in the gospel of Luke. He says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. So he describes his former book, the Gospel of Luke, as really an account of all that Jesus not only taught, but did. The works and words of Christ. Verse 2, until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. This is after he resurrected. Appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about nothing else than the kingdom of God. (laughs) Amen. Okay. So real quick. Luke is describing the ministry of Christ. He's saying, "I, I, I covered what Christ did during his life, the three and a half years of ministry. Why is this important? I think a lot of times... and rightfully so, I want to be clear in this. This isn't about devaluing what I'm about to say by any means. It's the central thing. But oftentimes when we think of Jesus and and Christ, we usually go right to the cross and right to his resurrection. Now, let me be clear. That is the climactic event of Jesus. That's where every promise, that's like the hinge where he opens up everything for us, puts to death everything in the old. You cannot overemphasize the cross and resurrection. I just want to be clear. However, what can happen, though, is that if we only go right to the cross and resurrection, we can actually ignore and overlook the fact that he ministered for three and a half years prior to going to the cross. And why that's significant is because if you just jump right to the cross and his resurrection, you can come away knowing that you're forgiven, 
that you've been made new, you've got the Holy Spirit, but you can have zero idea as to what it is you're supposed to do on this earth. But Jesus didn't just say, I'm here, and when he stepped into his ministry, just step in and go right to the cross. But for three and a half years, Jesus was living out and modeling for us what his expectation was for his disciples that would follow after. And what did Jesus ultimately model? He modeled the kingdom of God. Okay, Jesus brought the kingdom of God. I know a lot of these things are things that we minister a lot in this house, but I want to reemphasize this and teach this, okay? So the central message of Jesus was the gospel of the kingdom. Even here it says after he resurrects for the 40 days before he ascends to the Father, his primary message was the kingdom of God. What is that? Jesus was speaking about that in his own bodily presence, in his life, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God was breaking in. God's rule was decisively breaking in on a world that was held under the power of the evil one. And with this kingdom, God was setting everything straight, destroying the works of the devil, and liberating those who were in captivity. This is fascinating, awesome, good news. This is the gospel that Jesus brought. Not just get right and hold on for a ticket of heaven, but he was bringing heaven on earth and changing lives, changing everything. Every part of society gets touched by the kingdom of God. But this is really important, guys. How did he minister the kingdom of God? This is what Luke is saying. He's saying, in my former book, in the gospel that I, once, that I wrote before this, I shared with you all that Jesus began to do and teach, which means when we minister the gospel of the kingdom and go out to share, we do not only minister in word, as important as that is, we minister in action and in demonstration as well. Yes? The gospel of the kingdom is both proclaimed in word and it's proclaimed in action. You will see this is how Jesus ministered the gospel, this is how the early church ministered the gospel, and this is the expectation for us. In fact, listen to the wording. When Luke writes this, he says, in my former book, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. What is he implying? In this book, the book of Acts, I will deal with all that Jesus continues to do and teach. Except one thing. Jesus' bodily presence will not be on the earth anymore. But when he ascended to the right hand of the Father, the same spirit that rested on Christ was then poured out unto his church so that by his church... The, not only the words, but the works of Christ would continue to go forth. So when we go out to minister, yes, we've shared a lot about how to share the gospel and word because that's so important to bring understanding and reason. But we also need to understand that a real minister of the gospel of the kingdom is not talk only. Paul said the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk only, but of power. Are you with me? So when we go to share the gospel, we share it in word, but then we ask Holy Spirit for opportunities to now show the gospel in action. See, the gospel has two primary legs, word and deed, or teaching and doing. But what has happened over the last several hundred years is there's been a removal of one of the legs, the leg of action, the leg of power. And what I want to do is not elevate it above the word by any means, but I want to restore it to its right place. These two things go side by side. When we remove one of the legs, we wage war on the evidence of the New Testament of how Jesus ministered. He's our ultimate model. Do we agree Jesus is the model? He modeled what sonship looks like. He's the true rabbi. Glean from who you want to glean from. But I would say this. If ever someone's teaching removes you further from what Jesus demonstrated, you cannot receive that. 
And what Jesus showed is a bringing of the gospel of the kingdom that was not only in word. We're gonna, I'm going to list out a catalog of scriptures today where you're going to see as he was teaching, he would heal someone. As he was teaching, he would deliver someone. And Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you to do these very things, to walk in this. So what's happened is there's been a, a temptation to remove this or what's happened is, is we say, okay, we'll keep the the doing aspect of the gospel, but we're going to redefine it. We won't remove it, but we'll redefine what the works are. And typically what's happened is we've reduced it strictly to works of morality. Now listen to me. Again, I'm not pitting anything against each other. I want to walk in morality. I want to walk in purity. You, you, you express the gospel in beautiful ways. People are longing to see someone who's free from their former ways of sin and whatnot. So this is not about an either or, but it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's both, right? So what happens is we say, okay, we'll do... We'll say the gospel is proclaimed in word and we'll do works, but works only of morality. But do you know this, that if you actually read the gospels, if you look at the works Jesus did, although he taught about many things, his primary emphasis when he did works was healing and deliverance. I've shared these statistics with people, but if you haven't heard it, this is really good. In Matthew, do you know that 44% of the gospel of Matthew is healing and deliverance accounts by Jesus? 44% is just Jesus healing and delivering. 65% of the gospel of Mark is healing and deliverance. 65%. So did he do other things? Absolutely. But if you remove the works of Christ, you just lost 65% of the gospel of Mark. Some people have removed like Acts. Acts has become today everything the church is meant to avoid now. (laughs) The whole thing is Acts is what the church should do. Certain camps now, and I'm not trying to cause division, but certain camps, they're claiming a high value for the word, but what they're actually doing is they're creating a canon within the canon. In other words, they're saying there are certain books that we hold higher value for than others. But Timothy says all scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, everything. But now what we're doing is saying this book and these accounts, we're just going to say these things are done now. You can read them. They're nice stories to remember, a glorious past. Oh, you have a great future, but as for now, God's not doing anything. This is the spirit of deism, which means we, we claim that we believe God does these things in word, in theory, but we make no room to actually walk in it. It's a deistic spirit, and God wants to break that. <laughs> Where we don't just claim that Jesus is deliverer and healer, but then we make space and say, now we're going to pray for those that are bound and those that are sick. Uh, the Gospel of Luke, 30% of the Gospel of Luke is accounts of Jesus healing and delivering. John, the same thing, about 30%. Now, here's what I know is that, again, Jesus did many things. But if, if how much content, uh, uh, time you give to a certain subject is any indication of how valuable something is, which I believe it is, then what this tells us is that these things are very significant to Jesus' message and how he ministered. Yes? Why? Because, guys, when we go out and we share the gospel of the good news that King Jesus has come, his reign is broken in, and he's calling everyone now to repent and acknowledge him as king, and he's setting everything right. And every work of the enemy that was touching lives is now we're seeing it be restored and undone I see Willie raise his hand. I got to, guys, Willie had a breakthrough Friday night. I don't know if you Like, the, the real deal. Things that we had, he has said, it's been a long time since he's ever experienced anything like that. 
You know why? Because Isaiah 35 says that when the king comes, here's what you'll see. It says the blind will see, the deaf will hear, and then it says, and the lame will leap like deer. <laughs> These are signs of the kingdom. And sadly, not only has this been removed, we're saying, certain camps are saying, not only do we not do this, but it's even unbiblical. Guys, this is how we minister in the new covenant. And it's not by us, it's just by the presence of the Holy Spirit working through us. So healing and deliverance and, and these actions of power, they're not just signs of the kingdom. They're, they're the kingdom in operation. That's very different. We're not just saying, hey, when you see these things, know that Jesus is really Jesus. That's part of it. But this is what the gospel looks like. The gospel is a gospel of power. This is the good news. But we've removed one of those legs. And so now what we have, what happens in the natural when you remove a leg? What do you call that? Amputee. What we're presenting today, not messing here, but what you often find is an amputated gospel. We have presented a one-leg hobbling gospel that is void of power to really set people free. And I believe people are longing. We see it every Friday night right now. We see it door-to-door. People are longing for a gospel message that actually breaks and releases them from the grip of the enemy. That really breaks addiction cycles in their life. That really frees them from sin cycles and bad habits that really releases them from the torment of Satan, that really deals with Satan's oppression in the place of sickness. People are longing for that. Isn't it crazy that no one bats an eye by saying Satan's never changed? He's still doing these things. He's still tormenting, but we say God's changed? So Satan's still doing his work, but all of a sudden God's saying, I'm not liberating anymore. I'm not setting people free anymore. So here's what's happening is that there's an interesting trend in Western Christianity, North America, and this is a generalization. There are fiery bodies all over this country, and it's only going to increase in Jesus' name. It really is. But what I will say is in general, you could categorize Western Christianity as somewhat depleted. It really is. You see droves of people that are actually leaving Christianity. You know where they're going? New age, the occult. You know why? Because they're longing for something that really deals and brings wholeness into their life. So while in the West, we see this kind of depletion of Christianity, do you know that in all other places around the country, not everywhere, but many places, Christianity is exploding. We were just in Brazil, South America. Christianity is exploding. 20 years of plus of revival. South Asia, Africa, Latin America. There's these regions where Christianity, churches are just like, like they go from 100 to 500 to 1,000. Like this is what it looks like every year, exponential growth. Why? Individuals have traveled there to see what is happening. These are unbiased individuals who love the Lord, but they're not charismatic necessarily in nature. And all of them come back with a similar statistic. They say what's happening here is they're confident to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. They're presenting a Jesus in these other regions that really is greater than every rival religion, every ideology that really can deal with the works of Satan, that's really setting the bound free. And Pete, listen, when that happens, guys, when you get demonstrations like this, you don't just get, it doesn't just catch people's attention. You win the allegiance of their hearts because they're recognizing every other religion. It's false. There's only one Jesus. So while the gospel in Brazil we saw getting preached, saying salvation and then salvation, you're going to be forgiven, you're going to repent of your sins, and Jesus is going to come. He's going to break depression off your life. We're seeing people get filled with the Holy Spirit. While that's going on around the world, in the West, we're preaching a gospel that says, Jesus came into my heart and gave meaning to my life. How is that different than any other self-help therapy? There's only one name 
that can heal. There's only one name that can deliver. There's only one name that brings true peace. And when you remove that aspect, although there's a stirring, people start going to other things. You know what's amazing though? God is so good and so gracious. He's been breathing on a one-legged hobbling church and still letting us do things. Meanwhile, there is so much more. Amen? We want to go after the more in Jesus' name. Listen to, if I just share some of these quotes from uh, theologians that basically come against this false dichotomy where we say the words and works of Jesus, we need to, we need to separate them. Like preach the word at best, these works are very subordinate to that. At best, like keep them a far distance lest you almost contaminate the true message of Jesus. Is that how Jesus ministered? Not at all. Listen to some of these quotes. Dr. John Ruthven, an individual who has impacted me maybe more than anyone else in the last few years. Simple, but he says this. Signs and wonders do not cheapen the gospel. They illustrate it. They do not merely prove the gospel, but express the gospel. In other words, what does it look like for good news to come into someone's life? It actually looks like whatever was had a stronghold in your life being broken off of your life. It's not just word. It's action and demonstration as well. F.F. Bruce, whom my understanding is a great theologian, but not, as over, not that like charismatic, charismatic in nature, he says this, miracles were as much a part and parcel of Jesus' ministry as was his preaching. And then he gives this illustration of a document with a seal. Listen how he says it. He says, the miracles of Christ, healing, deliverance, all these things, they were not merely seals affixed to the document to certify the document's genuineness, but they were just as much an integral element of the very text of the document. So the miracles of Christ aren't just like an external seal to the document saying what's written here is true. You can say that, but they are just as much part of the document itself as the words. You, we proclaim the gospel when we speak. You also proclaim the gospel when you lay hands on the broken and see them get touched. That's true. Listen, Matthew 12 I won't take you there. Matthew 12, in verses 15 to 18, Jesus, it says all the sick came to Jesus. He was healing them all. And then it says right after this, Matthew does something amazing. He says, this happened. What happened? Healing this whole region. This happened in order to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. And then he quotes Isaiah 42. And this is what it says in Isaiah 42, paraphrasing. But it basically says how the father would put his spirit onto the chosen one, the servant, the Messiah. And he would proclaim justice to the Gentiles. So Matthew says, Jesus just just did something that's a fulfillment of what Isaiah said, that when the Messiah comes, he'll have the spirit on him and he'll be proclaiming justice to the Gentiles. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear proclaiming, I'm immediately going back saying, where's the message that Jesus preached? Where are the words? There were no words. What Matthew was saying is when he healed everyone, he was proclaiming justice to the Gentiles. We proclaim the message, the gospel, through word. We also proclaim it through the demonstration of God's power breaking in. Amen? Oh, I love this one. Dr. Alan Richardson, a British New Testament scholar. He says, so far have we departed from the biblical standpoint that miracle stories have been regarded as a sort of detrimental offshoot to the preaching of the Christian message. We almost see it like, oh my goodness, we need to remove it. And then he gives this illustration that's so beautiful. He equates, he says, people equate the miracles of Jesus and of the early church like a sucker which must be pruned off the rose tree before it saps the vitality of the flower-bearing stem. So he says, 
The message of the gospel, we present it like it's this beautiful flower, which it is, but we present the works of Christ like they're almost a sucker on the rose tree that we've got to remove lest it contaminate the true beautiful rose. That is not the case at all. Side by side, again, is how Jesus ministered, and that's how he calls us to. Amen? I know it's a simple point, but I just want you to see it. So when we go out this week, you're going to have opportunities to preach the gospel in word, and then you're going to preach it when you lay hands on people to see things get lifted and broken off of their life, and God is going to move. So we need to, why was the power dimension lost? Unbelief. We need to break the spirit of unbelief that says God did these things long ago. God will do them in the future. God will do them way out there in the mission field, but God will not do it right here, right now through my life. That's not true. How do you break unbelief? Step out. We have the opportunity these next two weeks for you to step out and break unbelief. Belief is not just saying, I agree with what you said, Pastor Andrew, and moving on. Belief is, I agree, now I'm going to go and do and practice it. That's how we see, that's how faith starts hitting your heart. That's real faith, response to revelation. And the second thing is that it's, un, people say it's unbiblical, and I'm going to share with you so many scriptures right now that you're not going to know what to do. <laughs> But I promise I'm not going to teach. I'm just going to read them, right? Um, we're not touching all of the Gospels. I'm only going to read from Luke, and we'll see maybe a few in Acts. I'm only touching Luke. I'm not even sharing all the other Gospels. We'd be here for days and days, but it would stir your faith. I'm not even looking at the Apostle Paul. But if you want, write this down, Romans 15, 18 to 20. The greatest summary statement of Paul by his own admission of, his, of how he ministered. He said, this is how I've ministered. He said, I, I brought Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. Word and deed. He says, by the power of the Holy Spirit through signs and wonders. From Elyricum all the way to Jerusalem, this is how I've ministered in order that I would preach the full gospel. Full gospel presentation is what? Word and deed. Amen. In Corinthians, he said, I didn't just rest, my, my, my presentation did not rest on wise and plausible words lest the cross be emptied of its power and man trust, trust in the wisdom of man. But I came in demonstration of the Holy Spirit that man would trust in the power of God. I came in demonstration of the Holy Spirit. In Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, Paul says, I rejoice for when the gospel came to you, it did not come only in word, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a whole other teaching, just Paul. All right, why am I doing just Luke? And we're going to rattle these off and then we'll pray for anyone who wants to get prayed for because we're not just going to speak this today. <laughs> Then we're going to pray for people as well. It's not just for everyone out there, but it's first for us right here. But why am I choosing Luke? Because we just read Luke's words who said in my former book, O Theophilus, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. So let's look at what he's referencing. What did Jesus do and teach in the gospel of Luke? Is that cool? I'm telling you, there's a lot of scriptures, but I'm not really teaching them. I'm just going to see them. And I probably about five in, you're going to say, we got it, but I'm going to still put it down. All right. Um, I'm actually, can I, Ray or Mark, can I move like over here? Will it go off the mic? Should be good? All right, so we're actually going to start in Luke. So Luke chapter 4, Acts will come after. Again, the reasoning for this, 418. This should be in order. So, again, we're doing this because we're, we're going to take Luke for his words. I don't want to go what anyone else says. I want to take the word for what the word says. If you said in my former book, this is what I went with all that Jesus did and taught, then let's just go to the former book and look at it. Amen? So this is, one of, this is probably 
one of the greatest summary statements of Jesus' ministry. This is after the wilderness temptation, baptized, uh, comes out of the water, Holy Spirit falls on him. Look how he describes his mission. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. That's speaking, he's saying, right? He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. This is demonstration. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. His summary statement is, I've come to proclaim the gospel and to demonstrate it by bringing sight to the blind, by seeing the oppressed get set free. That's how he describes how he's going to minister the gospel of the kingdom. Look at the next one, Luke 4.31. Ready? It says, and he went down, Jesus, to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath. So Jesus, in the midst of teaching, look what happens. He was teaching them on the Sabbath, verse 32, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority, verse 33. And in the synagogue, as he's teaching, there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, and he's going to get set free. So Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God, probably much like this, and all of a sudden someone manifests, and he's going to deliver him. Teaching and demonstration. Proclamation, demonstration. What did Luke say? In my former book, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Here he is teaching and then doing. Yes? Really straightforward. But I want us to see this so it's in our hearts. Luke, uh, the next one. Okay, this is Jesus just gets done healing Simon Peter's mother-in-law. Verse 40. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, Jesus. And he laid hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, healing and deliverance. Now look at verse 42. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. This is the next morning. And the people, the same people from just before, sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving. Now listen to what he says. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent out this for this purpose. What did he just do? He just said, when I healed and delivered, what you just saw that previous night, I was proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And he's saying, I got to go other places and preach it as well. But the point is, is that the proclaiming of the gospel here was healing and deliverance. And he says, I'm going to go to other towns and do the same thing. Luke 5. Oh, Jesus uh, heals a leper here. Tells him not to say anything. That never goes well. <laughs> Everyone knows now. And it says, but now... Even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. Now, I would understand if someone was cleansed of leprosy, you came to be healed, but they didn't come just to be healed. They came to hear him. What was his primary message? The kingdom of God. So as he's presenting the kingdom of God, telling them Jesus is the king, that he himself is the king, he's also healing sickness as a, as a sign of the kingdom of God is here. It's at hand, and I'm going to show you it right now, and you're going to get touched. Next one. Two verses later, a new account comes up. On one of those days, as he was, shout it out for me. I don't want to leave. Teaching. What did Luke say in Acts 1-1? In my former book, O Theophilus, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Okay? Well, he's teaching. What happened here? Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. This is where the paralytic is dropped in through the roof, and he will heal him. 
teaching and demonstration going hand in hand once again. Next verse. Oh, I love this one. Can you guys hear me all right? This is where John the Baptist sends disciples to Jesus because John's in prison asking, are you the one? And here's Jesus' response to these two disciples. He's going to send them back to John in prison. Verse 21, in that hour, meaning right at that moment, it's almost like Jesus looks, I just imagine he looks and then doesn't even give a response yet. In that hour, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And look at his answer in verse 22. And he answered them, and this is what he said, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The gospel is both heard and seen. And then he says, go, go tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. Preaching coupled with the deaf hearing, the blind seeing, the lame walking, the dead raising. This is how we minister the gospel of the kingdom. Next one. Oh, here we are, Luke, Luke 13. Here's another one. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. Jesus will touch her and say, this is the work of Satan. She's been bound for 18 years, but I've come to loose her. What was Jesus doing when he did that? Teaching. Here he is teaching about the kingdom of God, and someone brings up someone who's sick, who can't walk for 18 years, and he says, this is a work of Satan, and now I'm going to heal her. Luke, what do you have in mind when you said, I'm gonna, in my former book, I've told you all that Jesus taught and did? Guys, these are the accounts it's really simple. It's straightforward. All of these, he's teaching and then demonstrates. This is what Luke's talking about. All right, next one. Oh, I love this. He's heading towards Jerusalem. Verse 22. He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. There it is again. He's teaching everywhere he goes, what? The gospel of the kingdom. Now, it skips a few verses, but it's the same train of thought. And verse 32, he's in Jerusalem now. The, the religious leaders come to him and say, Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus says, all right, then I'm done. No. He says, I love this, go and tell that fox. <laughs> it's so powerful. This was such a shot at the leadership of, of Herod and honestly the religious leaders. Basically, they, they were deceptive. They weren't there really for the people, but he was. And look how he describes what he does. Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. Well, what was he doing the whole time as he was journeying? Teaching which means as he was journeying teaching, he was casting out devils and healing people. And then he says, on the third day, I will finish my course. What he's really saying to Herod is that I don't care about the opposition. I've come here with a purpose and nothing will stop me from doing that. I will finish what I did. Listen, a lifestyle of really coming after this brings a lot of opposition. It really does. And we don't need to be like rude or anything like that, but we can simply say the words of Jesus. All I know is I was commanded to preach the gospel of the kingdom, to cast out demons, to lay hands on the sick, and I won't stop until I lose my life. <laughs> Whatever that looks like. That's what Jesus said. Next one. Our last one in Luke. This is the Passion Week. His final week on the earth, he's in Jerusalem. Verse 37. On his last week in the earth, and every day he was teaching in the temple... And at night he went out and lodged on the mount called Olivet. 
and early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. So his final week, every time he's in the temple, he goes there and he's teaching. Now, I know it doesn't say demonstration of any kind here, but if you go to the Gospel of Matthew, where he drives out the money changers, he then says, my house should be a house of prayer. And right away it says, and the blind and the lame to him came in the temple and he healed them. Now we know from Luke's account, what was he doing also in that temple? Teaching. As he's teaching, blind and lame are coming. He proclaims the gospel in word and in demonstration as well. Next slide. You go to the next one. Acts, you got Acts? Can you go back to Acts? We'll finish right here. I know, is this, I know it's very simple and clear, but do you see this? <laughs> I want us to be confident that when Jesus ministered, he didn't just give a three-point message and move on. He shared, and then he made space to pray for people. And I, listen, that's challenging. That may be nerve wracking You may have never seen it, but I want you to see it's in the Word. This is what it is. So look, the book of Acts, I could have literally just read the whole book to you. <laughs> but as Luke said in, in my former book, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. The book of Acts is the church continuing it today. So here's just a few accounts. I didn't even put this one up here, but I felt led to share it right now as I'm saying this. Acts 3, Peter and John heal the lame man outside the beautiful gate. Do you know what the result of that healing is? The crowds begin to gather around Peter and John, and it says that 5,000 give their hearts to Jesus as a result of this. Here's what's so cool about that. What came first, the teaching or the demonstration? The demonstration. See, some will say, okay, we'll hold to the works of Jesus, but they're a very distant second thing to the proclamation of the word. That's not how the New Testament church ministered. Sometimes they preached word first. Sometimes they laid hands on the sick and the bound. Someone got set free. Then the crowds came around and they said, you want to know how this happened? The Jesus whom you crucified is being glorified through this. Amen? My goodness, we got a torrential downpour right now. Stay with me. Listen, we're almost here. Because then we're going to pray for people. And you're going to be touched. <laughs> I want you to know, no one came to hear Peter because he was a world-renowned preacher. It's true, though. He didn't have a following on Instagram. Do you know why people came to hear him? Because a man who couldn't walk for 40 years got up and walked. And they said, how did this happen? And his first line was not, let me give you a three-point sermon. His whole teaching was just really to give evidence to the healing that just took place, saying, this is King Jesus. And in his name, this man walks. And 5,000. Some people say, oh, be careful. You'll confuse the true gospel if works come. Really? Paul didn't get that memo. Peter didn't get that memo. Jesus didn't get that memo. Actually, it only intensified faith. Are we breaking things off our minds? If it's challenging you, amen. Just don't stone me right now. <laughs> Let me finish. But this is the gospel. All right, Acts 6. Can you go back one, Acts 6? Uh, it's, there's only one, 8. It's 8 and 10? If you have it, perfect. Look what it says of Stephen. Stephen, was Stephen one of the 12 apostles? No. This is what the church does. <laughs> and Stephen full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among them. Verse 10, the religious, the, the Jews wanted, to, this is when they're going to stone him. But look what it says. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. 
What's he doing? He's speaking about Jesus, speaking about the Christ, and at the same time, great signs and wonders are flowing. This is New Covenant ministry of the gospel. Acts 8, three more. Times five. No, I'm kidding. Acts 8. There it is. Uh, what is this? Oh, this is Philip. This one's great too. Now those who were scattered. Persecution hits the church. They're scattering. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. Why? When they heard him and saw the signs that he did. Was Philip one of the 12 apostles? No. This is just someone in the church. Look at verse 7. What signs did he do? For unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice, came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed, so there was much joy in that city. Well, that's interesting. That sounds like the ministry of Jesus Christ being continued through his church. And that's exactly right. Acts 19. Final three. Paul in Ephesus. Here's another example. Paul is teaching in this small little lecture hall called uh, the Lecture Hall of Tyrannius. And he's in, he's in Ephesus, Asia Minor. And it says, this continued for two years, his teaching, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks, verse 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. It says just his handkerchief was causing sickness and demons to leave people's body. What was he doing? Preaching the word, and as he was preaching the word, he was demonstrating it as well. Next one, Acts 14. This is Paul and Barnabas in Iconium. So they remained there for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, speaking, teaching, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. Hallelujah. And last one, last one. Acts 14. A few verses after that, Paul and Barnabas get persecuted. They have to leave that region. And this is where we pick it up. They learned of it, meaning the plot to kill them, and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. So Paul and Barnabas went there to preach the gospel. And then verse 8 says, Now at Lystra there was a man sitting who, had not, who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. And what's going to happen is Paul and Barnabas are going to lay hands on this guy. Oh. <laughs> Paul and Barnabas are going to lay hands on this man, and he's going to be healed, and the whole city is going to be in uproar. And they're going to come before Paul and Barnabas, and they're going to say, we believe Hermes and Zeus has visited us. Paul says, do not worship us. We're not gods. We're just men, but this is the Lord working. And as the crowds gather, guess what Paul does again? He preaches the gospel. Preaches it. He's preaching, he's demonstrating, he's preaching. So when we go out this week, as you're teaching, as you're proclaiming the kingdom of God, I believe the Lord is going to highlight things. He's going to lead people and he's going to show you things to pray for. And the gospel is going to go forth in proclamation and demonstration. Yes? Amen. Let's stand. We're so happy you could join us on the Home Church Podcast. We pray this week's message encourages you to behold the Lord Jesus and bring his kingdom wherever you go. You can visit us online at myhomechurch.org, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or follow us on social media.
If you would like to give to this ministry, text the amount to 84321. Bless you.